A meme caught my eye recently. It read simply, Anything that costs you your peace of mind is too expensive. On first reading, it sounds like a reasonable, if trite, idiom, like so many of the others that we see shared across social media platforms. A lot of the time, messages like these are attributed to one famous person or another, generally falsely, but this one has no author. But that doesn't detract from its intent. But something about it just didn't sit right with me. It's a syllogism, that is, a logical inference made up of propositions. I think this is where I trip up, so I'll break it down. That first word, anything, is definitive. Anything, full stop. Whatever follows is a bold statement regardless of what it is, so my interest is piqued. I'm sceptical from the off as anything is almost never actually anything. So we could really say that that single first word, anything, is a proposition in itself. It encapsulates, without limitation, everything that follows. So the next proposition is, that costs you your peace of mind. So this is really the heart of the statement of that idiom. Peace of mind. And we need to unpack that one further to understand what we're really talking about, so we'll come back to that shortly. And finally, the conclusion is, is too expensive. What is too expensive? That is normally a subjective determination, as we all value things differently. But in this case, the statement is again definitive. Anything that costs peace of mind is too expensive. So let's restructure this meme into a syllogism. It says, all things that cost peace of mind are too expensive. For this to be true, we need first to consider if there are any exceptions. And secondly, we need to understand what peace of mind is and what would cause us to lose it. And then finally, evaluate whether that cost is indeed too expensive. Okay, okay, talk about overthinking, but that's kind of what I do. So let's begin by taking a look at the phrase peace of mind. Its precise origin is not exactly known, but we have a few clues from history. The use of the term peace of, as in peace, P-E-A-C-E, actually began with the phrase peace of heart from around 1340. And I really like the sound of that. With peace of heart, we can say that our heart is content, and this romantic notion is very pleasing to think about. Following on from this usage was the phrase peace of soul from the 15th century or so, which is perhaps even more pleasing. To have peace of soul seems like something we should all strive to attain. For if I am content and at peace in myself and my very being, that I must be happy. It is a statement which makes me think that that must be the ultimate end state, to have peace of soul. But I doubt it is fully attainable, for the slightest sin chips away a part of the soul, leaving a fracture lined with shame, guilt and maybe regret. We may pray for absolution for our sin, but can the sinner ever truly be free of his or her indiscretions? Can peace of soul ever truly be attained? Let's hope so. But then follows the phrase in question, peace of mind. This first entered written text, as far as we know, in 1700, in a poem written by the English poet Alexander Pope. It was called Ode on Solitude. He wrote it when he was just 12 years old. I'll read it for you now. 
Happy the man whose wish and care a few paternal acres bound, content to breathe his native air in his own ground. Whose herds with milk, whose fields with bread, whose flocks supply him with attire, whose trees in summer yield him shade in winter fire. Blessed, who can unconcernedly find hours, days and years slide soft away, in health of body, peace of mind, quiet by day. Together mixed sweet recreation and innocence which most does please with meditation. Thus let me live, unseen, unknown. Thus unlamented let me die, steal from the world and not a stone, tell where I lie. The genealogy of the phrase, following from peace of heart to peace of soul and finally peace of mind, follows loosely the ages of their origins. For peace of heart arose early in the Renaissance period, when humanism and the focus on man's moral and physical presence in civil society became a focal point of thought and discussion. Social discourse began in this era. This aligns with a shifting religious overtone of the late Middle Ages to a more secular period where the soul was a moral entity within the individual, closely tied to conduct, rather than just a papal tradition. The phrase peace of mind, therefore, arrived in the early age of enlightenment with the scientific revolution, where society turned to the intellectual and the mind as the source of knowledge, order and purpose. So to have peace of mind is to say to have a logical and reasoned sense of contentment. The phrase seems to become part of the common vernacular by the 18th century, where it is seen in Jonathan Swift's satirical classic Gulliver's Travels, which was published in 1726. Gulliver observes the Laputian people as, quote, under continual disquietudes, never enjoying a minute's peace of mind, and the disturbances proceed from causes which very little affect the rest of mortals, end quote. Gulliver could just as easily be describing the modern human, seemingly tortured by an incessant stream of anxieties and worries that infiltrate our daily lives. Peace of mind for many is something to be attained because it is such a distant, far-off goal, a place of unimagined verisimilitude where the pressures of real life dissolve into simplicity, predictability and slowness. But in common usage, we often associate the phrase peace of mind with an insurance policy. We take one out on our property, our life or health, so we may have peace of mind that should the worst befall us, we or someone close to us will be protected from loss. Now this is a perfectly rational thing to do, as it gives us a very logical sense that we have considered the risks and the cost of fortifying ourselves against their negative outcomes, and we are satisfied that this is a reasonable price to pay. But that line must exist somewhere. If the risk is very high, then we will either be unable to find an insurer willing to take on the risk, or if they do, the premium will be very high. So we can choose to either discontinue the activity we are trying to insure against, or we accept its risks and the reality that if all goes wrong, then we will have nothing to protect us financially, or worse. We perform this calculus all the time. But we act for reasons which are not always for peace of mind, even if we might think that they are. Take seatbelts, for example. You can show people images of car accidents, explain the risks of not wearing seatbelts, show interviews with people who've experienced a car accident while not wearing a seatbelt, or maybe lost a loved one in these terrible circumstances. Do you think the rate of compliance, that is, the level of seatbelt wearing, would go up as a result of such campaigns? The answer is no. It doesn't really help. People weigh up the risk of being in an accident, and because we all think we are above average drivers and that bad things won't happen to us, 
We don't take the hint, and therefore accept that wearing a seatbelt won't give us peace of mind because we get peace of mind for other reasons, our good driving or the low probability of being in an accident, for instance. But if a new law is introduced that says anyone caught not wearing a seatbelt will be fined $150, do you think people will start wearing one now? Yes, absolutely. The threat of punishment is far more motivating than the threat of an accident because we are not good at accurately evaluating risk and our part in it. So peace of mind may seem like something intuitive, but our psychology works against us in this regard because we just aren't very good at weighing things up and making peace of mind decisions, particularly when the decision itself seems relatively minor. So let's take a quick reality check and consider our seatbelt example. Is not wearing a seatbelt a cost to peace of mind? Yes, potentially, but it depends on what we consider that risk to be. Is it the risk of being injured or killed, or the risk of being caught and fined? If either of these things cost us our peace of mind, then do we consider that cost as too expensive? According to our idiom, the answer is always yes, but when we take out an insurance policy, what is really driving us? Is it that rational argument for peace of mind? Or is it a good sales pitch, a cultural expectation, or the availability heuristic created by our awareness of a recent event? For instance, if a hurricane just blew through and devastated a nearby town or city, then we'll be more likely to update our policies, even though the risk hasn't changed or maybe it's even gone down. We think we are seeking peace of mind for peace of mind's sake, but really we are being directed by social forces that we're not even aware of and that are often beyond our control. So the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, which I'm sure Mrs. Merriam of Webster could not even conceive of when they first wrote down aardvark, defined the saying as a feeling of being safe or protected. Similarly, the Cambridge Dictionary says peace of mind is the feeling of being calm or not being worried. So this is where we are supposed to be, and anything that diverts us from this optimal position is too expensive. Is that the same as saying not worth it? This is a game where I struggle. Because too expensive is too subjective. To say worth is to put a more personal spin on it. For whom but I can truly evaluate the worth of something? And this is where I get to the crux of my concern. For I don't think I agree that peace of mind is really the optimal place to be. Yes, it has its benefits, and we should aim to spend much of our time in that state. But can we really say that anything that alters this state of mind should be avoided? We have to return to risk versus reward to play this one out. For me, it is all about risk and timing. We know time is perpetual in our experience of life. It never stops and it never goes back. We can create illusions in our minds by daydreaming or even imagining a different time. But we can never translate that into the real world. The arrow of time as we perceive it points only in one direction, forward. So it follows that peace of mind is at best something transient, for as soon as we attain this most desirable of states, something will happen which will tip us over like an off-balance overfull bucket, and we will begin again to refill our sense of contentment, calm and safety. So yes, life will throw obstructions our way from time to time. But should we make intentional choices which we know will disrupt our state of calm and disturb our peace of mind? We must think of life as a journey through many and varied destinations. To get to that one place, we often cannot and perhaps should not traverse in a straight line, and it is inevitable that on that journey we will lose our peace of mind at some point. But it is in those times 
when we are far from the straight path between two points that we experience the fullness and richness of life. Through each painful moment, each challenge and each confrontation with adversity, we find out more about ourselves and are better prepared to face the next challenge. Perhaps when we give up our peace of mind, we instead find peace of heart and through this reach fulfilment. Does happiness and contentment come from remaining perched in our place of comfort, where we have fortified ourselves against all possible adverse outcomes? What is the cost of maximising our peace of mind? Because there is always a cost. By closing off avenues for chance, risk and danger, we also close off those avenues which excite us. For our tales of adventure do not consist of those exploits we did not do because we remained passive, but the grand and wondrous things we saw felt and lived when we threw our peace of mind to the wind with our perpetual caution and fear of the unknown. We should also remind ourselves that peace of mind is not the same as freedom of thought, which is a far more precious commodity. Seeking peace of mind may ultimately constrain our attention to only things which support our view and that maintain that state. Think of it this way. Peace of mind comes from feeling content that the world is the way we think it is. We understand it, we are safe from it, we are observers of it, and not just participants. Anything which supports this position will bolster our peace of mind, and anything which threatens it is an expense which should be avoided. So we are drawn to those things which conform to our way of seeing the world. We have closed off our mind from any experience which may jeopardise our perceptual status quo, and in so doing, we have compromised freedom of thought and in turn, freedom of experience both our own and of others, as this is where I think true fulfilment really lies. So no, I do not believe that anything that costs peace of mind is too expensive. But like all things, it is about balance. Sometimes it is worth sacrificing a little peace of mind to open oneself up to the richness of experience. And yes, that entails accepting or even inviting a level of risk into life. But at least we turn to confront life and its tribulations front on and we don't attempt to avoid them or pretend they don't exist. Because that's the catch. No amount of preparation, insurance and bolstering of peace of mind indemnifies one against all risk. None. To feel anything other than vulnerable is to be naive, oblivious and maybe even ignorant. To think for a moment that anything you do will protect you from chance and uncertainty is to open the door to all the things that you wish to avoid. The truest preparation for loss of peace of mind is to live with it a little, maybe a lot. Never get too comfortable, too afraid to take risks, too content, for that is where we are truly the most vulnerable, and fate will deal us the harshest blows. But peace of mind has its place. We do take out insurance policies. We do make decisions which reset the uncertainty clock and give us confidence in our immediate future. One cannot find peace in chaos. That much is certain, so while we would do well to avail ourselves of opportunities that come with heightened risk, we can and should also prepare ourselves for stormier times and enjoy the peace that comes from being prepared. A final thought. Peace of mind should not be conflated with the saying, no worries. Because where peace of mind is an illusion at best and a dangerous state of single-mindedness at worst, to have no worries really is a state of mind. When faced with adversity, a challenging task, if the response is, oh no, how will I ever do this, or I can't do this, then we've defeated ourselves before we've even begun. 
But if the attitude is one of, no worries, we have peace of mind not because we remain in our place of contentment, but because we take it with us on our journey through the hard things. Our peace of mind is therefore not a place we should desire to attain and cling on to when we get there, but an outlook where we have peace of mind that it will all be okay, that we can do it, that we are living and learning, and that the cost of life is to live, and the price is never too expensive. It's just the cost of entry. Oh, and something to keep in mind is that in the online dictionary of phrases and idioms, peace of mind comes between pea-brained and peace pipe. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Here and Now podcast or Twitter at Here Now podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to keep up to date with all of the latest episodes. And if you want to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon or leave a review at the Apple Podcasts app. You can reach out to me via the pages or email the Here and Now at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <music>